Welcome, listeners, to this special recording of Marist brother Michael Green presenting to the Marist Association Sydney East Regional Gathering held at Marcelin College Randwick on 31st August 2023. Principal Mark Wolford welcomes Association members and guests. Then Randwick Local Group Coordinator Mary Vanchik leads the gathering in prayer and introduces Brother Michael. Brother Michael then presents his talk on Marist education what it was, what it is, what it could become, as its future is not written yet. His primary message is love is the foundation of education. Please enjoy the presentation. Ladies and gentlemen, um, my name is Michael. Principal here. You should know that. I was thinking an introduction. Um, I remember when I was uh, up in Cairns in my early days of teaching, that's 40 years ago, and uh, Brother Chris Hogan, I was working with up there, who always used to refer when we gathered as uh, he always said, you know, good afternoon, brothers and others. <laughs> And that was the last century. But isn't it wonderful now that we're all masks? So I say to you all this afternoon, to all of you, brothers and others, good afternoon, masks. Because our association has given us that. And so it's uh, wonderful to have you here. I've just got it blanked out. Oh, clever. <laughs> Over the last night for the Maris Oratory, but uh, tonight I'm coming back at the, the real one. So, um, my role is to welcome you, warmly welcome you, and uh, hand over to Mary, who is our Maris Association coordinator here at Marston, uh, to lead us in prayer and to introduce our special guests. Thank, Thank you Mary. very much. Thanks, Mark. And I very warmly, warmly welcome all of you. So, I'll start with um, our prayer. All of you should have preferably had a coffee together. So. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Don't give up, that's what life is all about. Continue the journey. Pursue your dreams, unlock the time, run the debris, and uncover the sky. Open the doors, remove the locks. Abandon the walls that protected you. To live life and accept the challenge. Recover laughter, to rehearse a song. Let your guard down and stretch out your hands. Spread your wings and try again. Celebrate life and retake the skies. Amen. Amen. Pray for us. Mary, our good mother. Pray for us. Mary the cross. Pray for us. Always remember. Pray for me. And Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I have the honour of introducing Brother Michael, who I'm sure needs no introduction. So thank you very much for coming. But Brother Michael has been involved in Mars education for most of his life, first a student, then a teacher and a headmaster, and was the first director of Mars School of Australia. I'm sure everybody here knows that. Through his distinguished career, he's also been known as a tertiary lecturer and has even pinned an odd book here or there amongst the many articles that he has written on different occasions. Brother Michael has undertaken extensive research on Mars spirituality, history, and education, of which I was personally able to reap the benefits of when he and Brother Michael Akers 
were the leaders on the Mars pilgrimage that I went on and was very privileged to enjoy. Throughout our pilgrimage, I, like my fellow pilgrims, listened to Brother Michael, both Brother Michaels, um, but as he shared his insights in Jerusalem, Rome, and then at the Hermitage in France. Listening to Brother Michael's reflections on Jesus' life gave me new understanding that I'd never even expected or heard from my parish priest in the local homilies. His explanation in black and white about the political situations in Jerusalem, then the history and organisation of Mars while we were at the General House in Rome. I still vividly remember so many words. But nothing compares to when we arrived at the Hermitage, the spiritual home of Mars. Brother Michael was home. He invited us into his relationship with Marston. Although I had heard and read many stories of Marston and his brothers, they were nothing in comparison to the stories shared by Michael and his love and admiration for our founder. The stories came alive. St. Marston taught his brothers that relationship is how education can make an impact on their students and how this relationship relationship leads to the greater success in education. Who teaches art to their students is what is important. Michael has done this for the thousands of students that he has taught, as well as the countless more who have read his many articles. It is with great pleasure that I introduce to you Brother Michael Dick. Thanks very much, Mary. Um, and part of that Morris journey was two weeks as a prac teacher here at Marsloan. My very first prac, my very first time in a classroom. And, and, and every time I come back, I, I sort of feel at home, you know, it's just the first place I taught and all that. Um, I'd, I'd like, uh, thanks for coming this afternoon. Um, I'd like to... Um, so we explore Morris education just a little bit with you and and its future, um, what what it uh, what it was, what it is, what it could become, because the future's not written yet. Um, we'll get into that. It all started, of course, in Australia, uh, as you know and you know well from last year's 150th celebration of Marist uh, schools in Australia, in the Rocks area. Um, when you look at a, a picture like that, and it looks a bit perhaps serene, um, but this area, this area of um, this area of, um, I've got a, a light. Um, this area behind um, was where it started. In in this this um, oh yes, I have this. Um, this building here, which these days is the Sydney Futures Exchange, and it wasn't a really good real estate thing that we gave that up. But um, it's not the first dumb real estate deal the Maris have done in Australia, but there's been some smart ones too. Um, but if you go a little bit behind that, you know, these are these are photographs of. Um, of the rocks in the 1870s, 1880s, you can, you just get a sense of um, sense of the poverty, sense of the simplicity of their lives, the, um, the fragility of their lives, I guess. And it was from these these streets that the first students came uh, into this school. Now. 
This is, um, this is a picture of some, uh, some boys in the rocks in the 1870s. It's not the picture of the first class. But they probably look a bit like that, uh, except for the girl down here. She probably wasn't in the class. Um, and you can see, you know, the cheeky looks and the, or they still look the same. For the 125th anniversary, we had this, um, this painting done. Of, uh, of the first day and the first four, first four brothers. And it's, um, it, um, you know, again, there's a bit of liveliness there, but probably not as lively as, uh, as the director, Brother Ludovic, described it. You may have seen this uh, extract from his personal journal. I'll just read it for you. The boys were all assembled in one of the classrooms. The brothers handed out papers, pens and ink for a test. But scarcely had they received the sheet of paper, they covered it with all kinds of scribbling, overturned the inkwells, broke their pens, and began to dance on the trestle tables, several of which were overturned. Now, no one here would run a classroom like that. <laughs> but um, that was the rather inauspicious first day, you know. And there was, much, there was much anticipation around all of this, you know. As you know, a little bit of... Uh, history, uh, history of education in this state and, uh, and Catholic uh, education in particular. Uh, it was all up for grabs. Would it, would it continue? Would it not? Government funding had been withdrawn. Um, religious orders were a little bit of a pipe dream still. Um, Maris were one of the firsts. And so there was a lot of um, interest in how this went, you know, and clergy gathered, bishops gathered to look at this, you know, and this is what they saw. Um, so they went away probably less than less than confident that all this is going to work, but but of course it worked and it it worked well. But that wasn't the boys, the students were just were not the most unlikely unlikely factor in in the success. Possibly the most unlikely factor in the success was was this team of brothers. Let's look at the four of them. Ludovic, Ludovic. Um, it's 28, just 28. Um, he'd never been to a Marist school. He'd never met the Marists until he joined them. And, um, that, you know, probably not unlike most people today coming into a Marist school. Um, he saw a pamphlet. That, there was a promise of uh, overseas postings, which attracted him. So he, he signed up for it. And... Um, and uh, really embraced it. It really worked for him. You know, it, it made sense to him very quickly. Um, it would seem, and he so he was posted to uh, to London for a little while in a school there, to Sligo in Ireland, then to uh, Glasgow in Scotland, and to Dundee in Scotland, where he was teaching the little class, the first class, the le petit class, as the as it was called, and. Um, it was there that he was invited to uh, to lead this group. Um, I think a wonderful man in lots of ways. We could spend a lot of time on Ludovic, um, and he was he was here for thirteen or fourteen years in Sydney, and the first generation of brothers were all trained by him. Not only was director, became master of novices, so the first group 
who became the first um, the first uh, directors or, or principals, the first uh, provincials, first leaders, the most influential of that first generation, were all influenced by Ludovic. We're fortunate that that he came. Not so fortunate with the others. So, Jarliff. Jarliff was an Irishman. He was 25. Um, he had a little bit of experience as a teacher, although he was untrained. Um, and he was second in charge. He was finally professed, had his cross. The next guy was Augustine or Augustinus. He changed it to Augustine. Sound, thought it sounded better. And um, he was a Scot. He was just 21. He'd only taken his vows, finished his novitiate, just a matter of days before they left. He was a trained teacher. He'd done some training before he joined the brothers, but he's still only 21. And he was uh, an irascible, opinionated Scotsman. He also had a problem with rheumatism, or rheumatoid arthritis, and um, for which he decided he would self-medicate, which um, resulted in a little bit of a problem with the bottle. So we've got, we've got um, Augustine, he's, he's, um, he's got issues. And then the other guy is, um, is Peter, also Irish. Uh, this guy had the more in most interesting history of the light in that he was a soldier. He was, he was in the papal army, you know, Italy was trying to com be combined at the time and the secularists are against the papal armies and he signed up for the papal army. Um, and so um, he'd, he'd, he'd done that, he'd been discharged from that and then he joined the, the Marish brothers. Unfortunately, um, Jarlath proved not to be a very happy camper at all and asked to, uh, asked to go back to Europe, um, which he did. and. Um, so did Augustine. Well, I'll come back to Augustine, but Jarlath, first of all, Jarlath went, um, went back and then left, left the brothers. Augustine, um, well, his problem with the bottle took him to a few of the watering holes around the rocks, and, um, and he became real embarrassment. Then he took off, and uh, Ludovic, you know, trying to control it. So to, Ludovic eventually uh, packed him off to New Caledonia. They just started at school in New Caledonia, so he packed him off to the, the French would look so the French could look after him in, in New Caledonia. He was he was to come back, uh, and um, and he got his act together, and you know he he lived out his life in Sydney and as a teacher and a principal. And um, but in 1873, just a year after they arrived, he was gone. Jarlath was gone. Peter. Well, Peter, um, it was an Irish parish and he was an Irishman and there were some young Irish women in the parish and they got to know each other. Anyway, um, Peter had to be dismissed. So Peter, Peter was kicked out, kicked out um, and um, went to Victoria and uh, he, he also had a fondness for the bottle. He set up a hotel the rest of his life. Apparently he lived there. He was a good Catholic man and... Um, raised the family and everything. But anyway, he was gone. So this guy's on his own. It's a less than ideal start. 
The, um, this was within 18 months. Now, this guy, Marie Nissier, Marie Nissier, brother Marie Nissier, he'd, been, he'd come out in the 1840s and he was with Peter Chanel when Peter Chanel got clubbed to death on, in, the, in the Pacific, the island of Petuna. And it, as now, as an older man, he'd come back to Sydney um, to li living with the Marist fathers. And, uh, and he asked if he could join the community and he, and he did as cook, not as a teacher. Um, but and then after a year, he... Um, he asked if he could go back to France. The fathers wouldn't let him, but the brothers did. Um, and then there was another guy um, by the name of uh, Brother Ange, um, Ange Fresse, who, um, who, was a, who was a lovely young man, a young teacher, very capable, and, and was a great saviour to Ludovic. Um, was first director at Parramatta in 1875, and then unfortunately died you know, in 1878. Um, as a young man. But anyway, my point is that this, um, this had all the, all the ingredients of failure and they made it work. Ludovic, um, Ludovic recruited locally. He had his first novice within six months. Um, by 1876, of the, of the 26 brothers, teaching brothers, living in Sydney, including novices, 20, 22 of them were locals. So he made it work. He made it work. Uh, and we thank him for it. And, um, and the schools, despite all of that, um, there were several schools within the first decade, all in, all in Sydney and one at Parramatta, um, they quickly developed a really good reputation. Such a reputation, actually, that it was mentioned in Parliament, in the New South Wales Parliament, that um, they wanted to know why these Marish Brothers schools were doing better than the government schools. What, was the, what were the government schools doing wrong? Um, and part of it was that the brothers insisted on using their own methods, their own textbooks, resisted both the government and also the, the local diocese um, who, who wanted to use other books and other methods. And they said, no, we've got our own method and we'll stick with that. Thanks very much. Brother, Brother John, who succeeded Ludovic, um, actually resigned from the equivalent of the Saks, you know, the, the what, what, what do you call it today, the Sydney Archdiocese and Catholic schools group, you know, whatever the governing body was. He just, he just left them. He said it was impossible to deal with these priests and Catholic authorities, and he, and he just packed his bongos and said, we'll do our own thing. Um, so that, that was part of it. But less than ideal. There's a, when Marcelin's um, cause for canonization was introduced in, in his home diocese, which was Lyon, at the end of the 1880s, people who knew him... Um, People who, uh, who knew him um, were, and were still alive, you know, they would have been old people at that stage, um, we were asked to you know, give their memories. You know? And this, um, this guy, um, Brother Theodos, wrote this. He said, The first brothers whom Father Champagne received in the Nivishit had little more than goodwill and courage. Their religious instruction was incomplete, they barely knew how to read and write. They knew almost nothing of good manners. 
Their rusticity matched the rugged mountains where they were born. It's hard to believe their rapid transformation thanks to Father Champagne. In a few years, their lives proved they'd become good religious and the high regard in which the schools were held proved they were capable educators. So, I, I wrote a little book um, a couple of years ago and I'd just like to look at part of what, um, what was in that this afternoon. The, what, what I, um, what I how I frame that, that book is that um, I suggested that Marcelin had to deal with, um, with, with questions um, that were alive, that education was a thing. Education was contested discourse in France. There, there were arguments about, uh, about various things, arguments, for example, about who should be educated, um, or at least discourse around this. Why? For what purpose? What, what should they be taught, these, these students? And, we, of course, we still argue about that. How should we teach them? By whom should they be taught? Of all the questions, I think that's the most important. So let's look at, and we'll come back to that. Marcelin's answer to those questions was the same as a lot of others, like you know the the De La Salle brothers, founded by Jean Baptiste De La Salle, were were, were doing that in in a particular way. There are other groups founded that were were doing it were doing it well, but Marcelin had a distinctive response to each of those questions. And I'd just like to look at this afternoon at a little bit of that distinctiveness, just a touch into it. The first question, who should be educated? Well, there was in, there was in, um, in France from the, from the 1600s on uh, what, what is now called the Petite École movement, the Petite École, literally little school, but the, the, the Petit Ecole was the parish school, the local school, primary school, obviously. And there was a lot written about that, particularly um, this book. Um, school spelled a bit differently, but L'Ecole Paraciale, the, the, uh, the parish school, or the, the way of, of you know, good, good teaching, uh, teaching students well in the, in the Petit Ecole. So this was a whole movement. It was for everyone, and France led Europe in this. Well before the revolution, well before the, the momentum around the Enlightenment and, and so on. Um, from 1898, <laughs> primary schooling was, was mandatory. It was made mandatory. King, King Louis XIV did that. Now, there wasn't always funding to be able to do it, but but at least in theory, every, every child was supposed to be in school and have a, have a basic education. What we sometimes forget is that almost all of them were in rural situations. The level of urbanisation in, in France was, was not much more than 10%. So we sometimes think that Mara School started, you know, just for the, you know, the really neglected kids on, on the margins, you know. 
most kids were there. It, so it was a very, in one sense, it was a very, a very mainstream thing to be doing. Even, even by um, 1850, which is after Marshland died, there was still over 80% in, in rural situations. So, but it was for everyone. The little thing I was just about to put up is that um, we had everyone in there, we had everyone in the classroom, um, include, like, and like to use the, um, the, uh, the, this book, um, there had to be some divisions though in the classroom. So this is for the, so it's only poor kids mainly, the rich had other options. So we've got all the poor kids together, but, but they're really poor. They had a different bench to sit on. Why? Because le crasse le odeur et le parasite, their grime, their smell, and their lice. We didn't want them to, to affect the other students in the classroom, so they had a, they had a, a special place. Marcelin's difference? No such thing, ever. That um, if, you, if you look at you know, the, the sort of you know, what we might call the, um, the anthropology that, that drove Marcelin, his, his sense of, of, of who people were, their basic guy, everyone was worthy. Everyone had dignity, inherently. And uh, in the classroom, it was, it was the one group. So, that was, that was driving Marcelin, the everyone. But it was more than the everyone, it was how we dealt with the everyone. Let's look, let's jump forward to the why. Why are we educating these, these uh, children? Um, well, in the Petite Ecole, um, and it was outlined in books like this, 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 this was written by a guy by the name of um, Batoncourt. He was a priest. Um, and it was, it's a very good book, actually. And, and although it's, um, we haven't got evidence that uh, Marcelin had it on his bookshelf and used it, he must have, because there's so much in it that uh, is reflected in our language. And it was a, it was a common book. Um, there's, there's, there's more in this book that is reflective of our Marist way than, than the De La Salle book, the, the Conduct of Christian Schools, which was a, a basic text. Um, anyway, we could... So, what was the purpose? The purpose of these Petite Ecole, the parish schools, was first of all catechetical that uh, the students should be taught to, to love God, to know their catechism, and, and re live religious lives, religious literacy in lots of ways. And the second was civic, that they should be taught to read, uh, and the better students to write. Not everyone was taught to write, only the more capable students were taught to write. Um, and then basic knowledge of, of other things, um, so that they could fulfill their station in life. Um, you know, so if they were the, they came from the baker's family or the the Smith's family or the farming family, then they would uh, they would be able to live a life that um, religiously was was informed and 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 and, and holy. Um, and and civically, they could um, they could you know uh, in, engage as they needed to do. There was no sense that education was transformational. That it could change people, change society, you know. 
Muslin, muslin's different, so, and I just speak a little bit about this because I think it's really important. Muslin used this term, good Christians and good citizens. Good Christians? Absolutely, that's simple. Yeah, it was, it was a term around, people used it, uh, you know, they, they are good Christians, it means they're good people, they get church going, and almost everyone went to church before, before the revolution, in the 90%. But um, good Christians, you know, that's, that's just self-evident. Good citizens, good citizens. Some people have heard me speak about this before, but this was... This, the word citizen or citoyen in French is an edgy word. It's a word of the revolution. It's also a word of the Reformation. Calvin had citizens in, in Geneva. But in the revolution, um, the word citoyen was, was used like we would use comrade today. You know? So there are, there are um, documents around that talk about, talk about Marcelin's father as uh, citoyen champagnat, you know? Comrade Champagne. Um, that that was, and and even in parts of the French-speaking world today, I was speaking with a brother from Cote d'Ivoire a few years ago, and he said, "Oh, in my father's generation, they still call each other citoyen, you know, good, you know, bonjour, citoyen, you know, like g'day, g'day, comrade, you know, like Gough Whitlam spoke." Um, so it's still, and it's so it's still used today, and it's still got the same leftish sort of um, uh, tone to it. So for for Marcelin, at a time when the when the the, the church had been reestablished, uh, was rebuilding, the king was back on the throne. Um, to use the to use this word in church circles was not was not very PC. It wasn't very PC from a church point of view, from a, from a Catholic point of view. Before the revolution, they were subjects. You know, they weren't citizens. Now they were citizens. But it had connotations of, um, or at least alluded to, uh, all that the revolution and the Enlightenment represented. And Marcelin brought these two things together. These two words together. That's novel. That's unusual. And that one could be the reflection of the other. That was reasonably radical. And he used the same word, bon, good, in French bon, to describe both. Later on, his biographer um, uh, uh, qualified this and he said, well, what Martin said was good, good Christians and virtuous citizens. It wasn't right. This, without getting into the whole... <laughs> spirituality of the time, that the whole concept of virtue was about duty, you know, about climbing the ladder of holiness, doing, doing things, being, being virtuous was, was, was another concept altogether. And, but Muslin used the word bon. Okay, we go on. You know, and in, in I, or just, just to, to, um, to uh, you know, when the revolution happened in 1789, there was the Declaration on the Rights of Man, sorry ladies, Rights of Man and of the Citizen, and of the Citizen, just a word of the revolution. So, um, so this, is, this is significant, Marcelin's why. 
So we go to what? What should they be taught? Well, we, you know, every, <laughs> there's never not been curriculum arguments in education circles. Um, but for the, the uh, petite école, well, you had to learn the catechism, you had to learn your basic religious knowledge, um, reading plus the basics, so pretty simple. And that aligned with the purpose, why, the why of the school, the what aligned with the why. It, it allowed people to, as I was saying earlier, to lead good lives in whatever their station of life was, whatever their stratum of society was, it allowed them to, to live lives, you know, both religiously and uh, socially and civically that, um, that uh, did that. And actually, um, in, um, with uh, Jean-Baptiste de La Salle, um, in the early editions of, because he was a revolutionary uh, educator uh, and really changed in lots of ways. We won't spend any time on it this afternoon, but changed in lots of ways to how, how kids were taught and what they were taught and the manner and method and all that. But even in LaSalle's approach, there was no concept that um, a kid could be anything. A kid could be something different from the stratum of society that he or she was born into. That that there was the implication was that's and, and remember that the the petite école were essentially uh, essentially um, um, supported by the by the by the government by the you know prevailing regime. You know it was it was these schools were if you like agents of agents of the of the of the government of the state of the you know existing structures and and um, and so the school that Marcelin went to as a boy and didn't do so well in would have would have had this sort of approach and and the uh, the graduation was Holy Communion first Holy Communion which is usually made around age 12 um, and uh, once you'd done that you entered the the adult world and you did, for most kids, you then did what you were going to do with your life. Um, so I was talking of, about this, um, this book of um, the, what's in, in English, The Conduct of Christian Schools. It was the book put out by, the, by uh, De La Salle's brothers, uh, went through a lot of editions, uh, still is. Um, but it, it was a, just a really good way of doing that. Um, there were this. This this is um, this is by a, a priest by the name of Charles Demier, Demier who um, for the diocese of Lyon, and he he um, rules for the schools of the of the city and the diocese of Lyon. Um, there was a lot of work put into that. Marcel would have uh, known this book well. And then. Going a bit further along, 18, this is 1834 and 1833, there was a lot of um, work done by the French government, new French government, on what, what would happen in primary schools, curriculum and what would be taught, how it would be taught. And there was, um, there was uh, um, guides put out to, to mandate that. What was Marcelin's difference? Like Marcelin, Marcelin had this, you know, like we, we're given today, the curriculum, given the, what you have to teach. Marston's brothers had also had the same thing, but what was his difference? His difference, I'd suggest, is was a difference in emphasis, orientation. 
So rather than learning, just say learning prayers, he wanted the kids to have a taste for prayer was a word that was used. A love of Jesus. So the whole religious thing was done um, from, the, from the heart. It wasn't a dutiful thing. Uh, in fact, he wrote against that, spoke against that, and approached that uh, imposed duty or, or exacted uh, you know, behaviours. Um, and, and if you read through the early text, there's, there's so much emphasis on, on, um, on winning, winning hearts, on affection, on rewards, on all the positives, you know. So that's one thing. The other thing is that Marcelin had a real focus on effectiveness. We sometimes undersell this. You know, we go, I'm going to go on about family spirit in a minute, but, but we look at the characteristics of Mara's school, but sometimes we overlook the fact, and it is a fact, that Marcelin really wanted the brothers, those first brothers, to be outstanding teachers, to be really effective teachers. And they, you know, they, some would know, they brought them back to the Hermitage for, you know, two months of what we might call summer school every year. They, they had, uh, they had to teach in front of their peers, so there was peer review. They had to bring examples of their work, their students' work, which was peer marked. It was, uh, it was um, quite exacting. But the, the, th the thing that gives me the best window in, into it is the approach to reading. We know that Marcelin had an interrupted uh, schooling himself and uh, probably poorly taught or whatever, but he had trouble learning to read as a little boy. Later on, of course, he went to the minor seminary, which is the equivalent of high school, and he completed major seminary, which is the equivalent of university. Uh, he had to learn French, different from the own, own patois that he grew up with. Um, he had to learn Latin. He prayed in Latin. So he was trilingual, if you like. He was the equivalent of a university educated. Um, he, he was amongst the most educated group in, in French society at the time. He, he mastered all of that. But a thought that pursued him was, why did I have trouble learning to read? What was it? And he did his own research into this quite actively. He read all he could read, read on it. He, he asked people, asked educationalists and, and so on. He wanted to get to the bottom of effective teaching of reading so that kids wouldn't have to go through what he went through. And uh, so we're dealing with primary school, we're dealing with big early, early reading and so on. And um, it came down to the old argument between phonics and site, you know, which we're still going on about. And uh, Annie settled on phonics. So this is what, this is what, what, and this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to use in our schools. And some of the older brothers, well, being older, they're all of 28 or 29, but they'd been around for 10 years. They said, um, oh, no, no, we don't, that's not the way. And um, he said, no, this works. This is what we're going to do. And so they put out, um, they put out this, this book, The New Principles 
of reading, new principles of reading, for the use of the Brothers of Mary. You can see this is the, the third edition, the Troisième Edition, 1844. First edition was in 1838, and there had been some informal um, publications since 1829. It was basically a, a primer for reading. And both a textbook but also a, an approach. It went through 43 editions before the First World War. They kept updating it, they kept improving it, they kept um, wanting to do better. What we might call today action research. Now what worked? Based on this year's, this year's result, what worked? And uh, so let's change that, let's tweak this, let's tweak that. And, um, and so <laughs> 43 different editions. Why, uh, why until the first, well, yeah, as you might know, the, the religious congregations couldn't run schools in France after 1903, so um, we, we had 600 schools, they're all closed. Um, so the, the whole French thing sort of died for a, a while. But, um, but right through the 19th century, this was, uh, this was the, I think it's quite instructive. And, and what we would call today league tables <laughs> were published. The, the results of the different schools were published amongst themselves, you know. And who did best and who did better than last year and who went down and all that, you know. So there was, um, there was a, a real emphasis on, on effectiveness. We'll move on. How should they be taught? Um, well, you know, we, we do this well. We, we, you know, you, you know, you, you, you could tell, you could talk about this better than I and what happens in, in your school uh, about how we relate to kids, how we, what sort of a spirit we form and all of that, you know. Um, this is something that, um, that comes from Marcelin. I'll just let you read it yourself. There were lots of books written. Brother, brother Jean-Baptiste, who, who uh, wrote, uh, who's a, one of Marcelin's uh, offsiders and his biography and a writer of a lot of the early texts, he, he wrote a thesis-length or treatise-length work on education, quotes about 40 different authors. In any of those authors, this, this term is not used. Muslim was a great bowbird. He'd take a good idea wherever he found it, you know. Um, today we'd call it plagiarism. But, <laughs> um, but this, this idea seems to be him. This idea seems to be from Maslin himself. And it, it, um, he applied it not just to the school, in fact, more primarily, he, he, he applied it to the brothers' community, what we might call today the school staff. That's, that's, that's where it needs to be first. You know, and the, this, this is a, as a root metaphor, you know, family spirit is a root metaphor for who we are um, as an educational community is, is, uh, is very rich, you know, because families, you know, the metaphor of family, this family, as everyone here knows, they're sourced in love, they're bound by love, directed to love, a good family. 
And lastly, um, by whom? By whom? Who, who should be? This was a question of the time. For the petite école, for the parish schools, um, the aim was, at least, it wasn't always realised, but the aim was that they would be professionally trained uh, teachers and they would be of good character. Often they weren't, but that was, that was, uh, that was the stated aim, you know? Okay, pretty simple. What was Marcelin's difference? Well, let's go to this book. I acknowledge Brother Jeff Crow here, who was um, the prime mover behind this um, 26 years ago, Jeff. And it's just been, um, it's just in the process of being revised. We should have the new publication shortly. But in the, in the front of this, uh, of this uh, description of Marist education, is this thing which we've all seen. And I think the most important word in this whole thing is just there, we. The whole text is written in the first person. Sometimes that can escape our notice. But the whole thing is written in the first person. It describes who we are. And who are we? We're Marist educators. We're Marists, as, as Mark, as Mark welcomed us here this, this afternoon. We're Marists. So who undertakes Marist education? Marists do. If there's no Marists, you haven't got Marist education. It's as simple as that. It's as stark as that. If you have got Marists, then you do have Marist education because Marist education is what Marists do in education and how they do it, why they do it, for whom they do it, with whom they do it. That's us. And um, if we have Marists, we'll, we'll have Marist education. Now, to go back to where we started, and we'll finish in a minute, to go back to where we started, that's never going to be an ideal group. It wasn't for Ludovic when he started here in 151 years ago. It wasn't for Marcelin. Who did he have? He had the young guys, you know, of Lavala and thereabouts, you know, and he made it work. He developed them. He attracted them. He inspired them. He formed them. He shaped them. And uh, similarly today, who, who, who are the Marists? Well, you know, the Marists, who are the, uh, Marists are the people who are there at staff briefing on Monday morning. That's who they are. And um, that's who we, we're called to, to form. Not, not, not everyone will take up that uh, invitation. But, uh, but it's incumbent upon us, as it was for Ludovic here in, in Sydney 151 years ago, to inspire, to, to, to develop, to shape, to lead. Um, to, to build up um, the, the, the Marist group. And I would say that there are three things that are important if we're going to talk about who, if, if Marist integrity. That the, first of all, they'll be Marists and us, us and the people we work with, will be Marists professionally ministerial. In other words, our ministry, our work, our teaching will be distinctively Marist. And we'll be able to talk about that. 
we, we, we have an emphasis on personal relationship. We do family spirit. We know what simplicity means. We, uh, you know, pedagogically, we can talk about what it means to be, to be Marish. So I mean by professional, we can do that. But also personally, spiritually, Maoist is my way, my, well, it's a very significant way in which I, I live out my baptism. Mightn't be the only way, but it's a very significant way. I like it. I like the emphasis. I like the priorities. I like the style. I like the manner. This, is, this particular path of Christian discipleship suits me. This is what being Christian is. If it looks, looks and feels like that, that's, that's good with me. And thirdly, communally. And I would say this is probably the most... I've, I've come to believe that this is the most, the most important of the three. That we need to have a, a living community of people who are Marist. Who know each other, who relate to each other, who feel bonded to each other, who belong to one another. You know, the, the reason that uh, you've come along this afternoon... It's us. How do we ensure our vitality, our integrity? Um, well, that's the way we've chosen in this country. That's how we hope to do all of this. And I reckon we're, we're doing it very well. I think it's a, it's a great model. Um, but we've got to make it work. Like Ludovic made it work in his context, Maslin made it work in his context. How do we make it work in, in 2023 and beyond in our context? How do we ensure that this, uh, this is a group of people that, that could be described that way? So, um, you know, I... I I'm always surprised because I've heard it at different assemblies of the Marist Association. People say, but, but what, what's the purpose of this again? What, what can we do? You know, can we go and run a soup van or something? The purpose is, the purpose is Marcelin College. The purpose is Corpus Christi College. The, 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 the purpose is all our, all our work. That's what we're doing. Um, um, and Marist College Pensworth and all, all the other Marist schools in Sydney and wherever. Um, that's its purpose. It's also, it's got this purpose, it, to be a, a space where people can become Marists, can, can grow and to deepen themselves as Marists and, and share responsibility for the continuing evolution of the Marist movement. That's, that last one's important. You know, who, who, will underdo the, who will undertake the scholarship to keep evolving this, keep articulating this? Who will be the researchers and the writers? Who will be the leaders? How are we attending to leadership succession? I think we're doing all that. But, um, and we've got a real emphasis, as you know, on formation have had for 30 years in, in this part of the world, this part of the Marist world. But um, I think it's just good to name it. Now, um, there are other things that need to be in place and we, 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 we rub against this and some of you in, in leadership roles do it more than others, but we need to have shared understandings with dioceses and Catholic education officers. We need 
um, scholarship and and um, and uh, an evolving articulation of our of our practice. Uh, we need a canonical, we've got a civil structure now with Murrah Schools Australia and the Murrah Association, but we haven't yet got a canonical structure. We'll need to do that. So those things need to happen too, but, but before, before um, and leadership development, all of that, but before, before any of that, we need to have a critical mass of Marists in our schools and our other ministries, and, and, and a critical mass that they're the people who really signal how it's done. We are the people that signal how it's done. We, we signal what really cuts the mustard. We signal what, what really is important in this place. And we're seen to do that in leadership. If, if Maris aren't in leadership, that the school will be, or the ministry will be dysfunctional. So doing all of that. Um, if it hasn't got that, you know, we'll end up, end up like that. But we're not heading that way. Take that away. <laughs> um, so, let's, um, let's finish on that point. Um, well, thank you for coming. We've, I think we've used all the time. I was going to have some Q&A. Maybe have some quick Q&A if you want. I was going to have some discussion. But I think we've used all the time that we've, we've had. Is there anything that anyone wanted to ask or comment on? Okay. Uh, I was told 5.30, it's 5.29.57. <laughs> Thanks, Mary. Michael, I'd just like to say thank you very much for coming and very insightful words and I really hope that we're doing everything that Brother Luke was doing and, you know, yes, we're not all right, we're not, everything is a mess, um, but hopefully we're actually trying to make some order out of the chaos. Um, and so thank you very much thank for you, Mary. letting us all know and talk to us. Yeah. Thank you well, thanks, much. everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We thank Brother Michael Green for permission to record his presentation, Marcel and College Ranwick, and the Morris Mission and Life Formation Team for their assistance. This is a recording by the Maras Association of St. Marcelin Champagne, 2023.